All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Can you see it? Did you notice? Check, but the puck comes right to Pedersen, who tries a bank pass for Besser. In with a shot, he scores! Moments notice. It only... You're listening to Canucks Conversation. Quinn Hughes, the reporter here. Like, I, don't, I won't cover the Canucks. Yeah. I cover Quinn Hughes and what he's doing to the Canucks. A member of the Nation Network Podcast and delivered by DoorDash. Just wave the guy and get Demko involved. I wanted them in and down Wow. We should do a radio show together. <laughs> right on. I want to fist bump you right now. What a Don't waste all the good stuff on the off-air. Let's go. Hello Canucks fans and welcome back to another episode of the Canucks Conversation brought to you by the great folks at Zephyr Epic. Use promo code Hockey Season capital H capital S all one word Hockey Season that will get you $5 off your order at ZephyrEpic.com Z-E-P-H-Y-R Epic on all platforms. Go check them out. They've also got a retail location in Surrey that you can go check out. Remember to use promo code Hockey season at Zephyr Epic, Z-E-P-H-Y-R, Epic, Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, Instagram, all of the above. Go give them a follow on the social media because they've got you covered for your trading card needs. And the best part about Zephyr Epic, in our humble opinion, is that they ship free anywhere in Canada on any order over $50 from... From Castlegar. Home of Travis Green. Home of Travis Green listens to the show. Uh, from Castlegar to Shibugamu, Quebec. Shabugamu. Shabugamu. Did you go to Shabugamu? No, I didn't. Uh, but if I were to go to Shabugamu, I would be going in the wintertime because there's 7,500 people there. And yeah, hear me out. Yeah, I know. I know you're about to say, oh, it's going to be all snowy in the wintertime. No, I'm not. It's too much snow in Quebec. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Quads. Wear shorts out in the snow. Uh, the reason I'd be going to Shabugamu in the, in the wintertime 
is for La Folie Fret. You know what that is, Quads? No. No, you don't? It's a snowmobile rally. How much fun would that be, going to a snowmobile rally? Are you participating in it or no, watching I, it? No, I would just like to watch it, I think. Yeah, I don't think it's worth going to Shibugamu for that. You ever remember, You ever see that guy a couple years, handful of years ago, he was pretty famous, and he would dig... He would just like uh, he would do jumps on his snowmobile, like in the. It wasn't even snowy. He just had a snowmobile and he did all these crazy jumps. No, oh, I'm familiar man. with this, this guy. Was a gym. legend. He wore like jean shorts and always a sleeveless shirt. I hope some people know who I'm talking about. Have you seen Ray's last jump on YouTube? Yeah, you have. Yeah. Oh, I think this is who I'm talking about. No, they yeah. they they are like they are trailer park. Yes, this is who I'm talking about. It is Ray's last jump. No, it's not the same people. Yeah, is the guy really? who rides like a snowmobile or no, whatever. No, this guy rides a shopping cart in full goalie equipment, and he's from Rodney, Ontario, yeah, and I'm home sure. of Canucks captain Bo Horvat. I think he kept going and making more videos and started jumping the Get snowmobile. Out. I thought this was the most niche thing ever. No, I know who you're talking about. Wow. Okay. Ray's last jump. Yeah, YouTube it. Yeah, Ray's last jump. If we can look it up on YouTube, Rodney. Check Ontario. me out on YouTube too. Live from Development Camp. Took me about fifteen takes. I'm out there by myself, trying to do these takes back to back and back. I was screwing up so much. I'd get a minute into every video. That's not like you. No, what I know. I don't know. By myself, it's hard to go three minutes straight without uh, what, like, with direct eye contact into the camera. It threw me off a little bit today, so I wasn't on my game. Hopefully, got it all out before we got here for the podcast. But I got the video up. The YouTube videos are crushing, by the way. It's pretty sweet seeing, like, we thought the YouTube videos were going to get, like, 60, 70 views, like, when they first started posting, but uh, people enjoy them, so that's, that's awesome. I like making the YouTube videos. Shout out to Waz, who's killing oh, it. Oh, man. Our yeah. guy who uh, edits the videos, puts them together, gets them posted for us. Waz is absolutely killing it, staying up late, getting up early. The guy does it all. Shout out to him. Did you know recently I learned that his name is Matthew? Um. Yeah, I, I <laughs> did know. You that know just, that? Yeah, from emailing him. That's uh, his email or whatever. That's how I learned it. And for some reason, I don't know. I'm in my email, like my work email, and we're you know, we don't want to get too into this, but I have him as Waz. Anyway, shout out Waz. Uh, Matthew Wozniak is his name. Uh, shout out to him. He's our he's our guy at Nation Network who uh, helps us with all the YouTube videos. So go subscribe to the Nation Network on YouTube, folks. Only watch Canucks Army videos, though. That's what we would really appreciate. I'm just kidding. Watch everybody's videos, but especially Canucks Army. That's where you can find us. We've been doing a lot of stand-ups. We've got our little microphone that we definitely need to get a Canucks Army flag built for. Yep. Because, uh, yeah, it's just it's just black. It was funny. Jeff Patterson, shout out Jeff Patterson, uh, saw us doing a stand-up. He said, are you guys using a green screen to put a logo on that mic? And we are like, no. No, it's just it's just a black mic. No, we just don't know what we're doing. Yeah. That's that's what's actually We just happening. don't know where to get a mic flag. No, we're, we're trying. If you know where to get a mic flag, folks, shoot us a message. Except got- for those... Amer- I can only find them on the American sites, and it's like 200 bucks to get a mic flag made. No. Yeah, it's super expensive. I can get us a sticker. Yeah, okay, that's not the same What are you talking all. about? You want like the big square thing like yeah, around the big it? big square. Oh, no. Let's just put a little sticker on the yeah, flat that- thing. That's fine. What are you going to put? A Canucks Convo sticker? That's all we have. Make, get some Canucks Army okay. stickers made up. Put it in an expense report. Full-time Nation Network employee now. Sure that. I'll approve that. <laughs> All right. Can we get into DevCamp, please? No, we got to do DoorDash first. Oh, my gosh. How dare I? How dare I forget yeah, DoorDash? On. What is happening? It's because I have something good to get to in this episode, which right. folks will be ready for. But we're also delivered to you by the great folks at DoorDash. Ding dong. Use promo code CONVODD, capital C, capital D's, all one word, CONVODD. That will get you 25% off and free delivery on your first order with the DoorDash app. Does not get much better than that, folks. My name is David Quadrilli. I'm joined, as always, by the man who built the place, Chris Faber. You are dressed in pants. I'm in shorts once again. Now, the story of the day. How the turntables turn, eh, Quads? Oh, my goodness. Well, first, I'm forgetting DoorDash. And second of all, you're, you're you know, you're dressed appropriately. I tell you, I haven't, uh, I have no, they're not going to like this. I have no urge to use DoorDash in the next couple of days here because I use so much DoorDash in Montreal. Because you used it so much, you don't want to use it much yeah, anymore. That's what I'm saying. And uh, been at home now that uh, now that I'm back from Montreal, just cooking in the kitchen nonstop. You know, bands everywhere, cooking all day long, having a good time here. So uh, I, you know what I got quickly. Tell me what you think about this. These sausages that I just bought out at the old uh, Save On, just down the road from here, actually, the Burnaby one, okay. Quads. Yeah. Down at the Save On there. Smells a little bit in the parking lot, that underground parking lot there. <laughs> I'm not going to get into that too much, but maple blueberry sausages. They smell up the whole house like a like a blueberry waffle. 
Are they good? I don't know if they're good. They <laughs> smell they smell really good. Like they smell so good. But then then you go to eat them and they're like they're dry. You don't really taste the maple or the blueberries, but like they smell so good that there's like there's so much promise when you're cooking them. Then you get to eating them and you're like, oh, gee, you need some need some of that fruity HP sauce just to get you through it. I've never had HP sauce in my life. We're that's, gonna get you. That's I got brown a DM because I yeah I recommended okay, yeah. it on the pod of, right, uh, a couple right. months ago. Got a DM that they found it. Uh, I got to go back through my DMs and see where it was because uh, yeah I got to get you a bottle of that uh, HP, HP fruity. sauce. You can find that everywhere, can't you? Oh, the, the fruit fruity one. one's yes. hard to find. Okay, it is. It's you got to find it in in those British sections. They got them at uh, superstore and stuff. Okay. Save, Safeway sometimes. Yeah. Safeway is a rich person. Okay, never mind. Let's do We got hockey stuff yeah, to talk about. We don't have time for this. People know, are know, here for DevCamp talk. We've even got some stuff on JC Miller, which we'll get to later in the episode. But we're going to start at DevCamp because we're recording this Tuesday afternoon. On Monday, you and I were both out at DevCamp. The Canucks posting a video of everybody. Uh, they're... they're DevCamp video featured me sitting in shorts with my legs up. I was legitimately shivering, and a few people got a kick out of that, and I was just super cold on day one, so I decided not to go today. I didn't go on Tuesday, but you were at DevCamp on Tuesday. I'll be back there on Thursday. The Canucks are going to have a scrimmage on Thursday, so I'll be back there for that. But you were there today. Let's start on day one, Chris. Let's start on the Monday. We posted a scenes from DevCamp day one on CanucksArmy.com, and you're going to have one for day two coming out shortly, but on day one, who stood out the most to you? It's it, it's strange from day one to day two because I think the the guy that stood out on day one was Elias Pettersson, uh, the left shot defenseman just recently drafted in the third round. Unfortunately, day two, he's not on the ice. He's His knee's all wrapped up. He's limping around, so I don't think we're going to see the way that he was limping. I don't think we're going to see Pedersen for the rest of this, but I thought he was one of the best players on Monday. He was physical. He was good at defending, really liked his play just in general of handling the puck. I also like Jonathan Myrenberg. I thought he moved the puck really well, and to see what he's going to get for an opportunity next year. Um, he's actually loaned to the Alsvenskin, so he's going to the second division over there in Sweden. He's going to get a lot more minutes, and I'm excited to see from what he can do next year. And then, honestly, like looking at the forwards, like no nobody really stuck out on day one, right? Like I don't think there was one forward that was really that good, especially in the groups when they came together for the forwards and defensemen. Like Archie Baines has been good through two days. I think that he's one of the players where no matter where the puck is passed to him, he's always consistent at being able to handle the puck. Like he looks like he's at a level that's in the higher echelon of what these prospects are. Like Baines is consistent. He he gets good shots off. He's really good at handling the puck. A little bit stronger than I thought. Uh, and there was a really good battle today between him uh, and Victor Persson. They had a really good battle today where they like slammed each other on the boards. It kind of fired up Persson a little bit. He came over, slammed Baines on the boards, and then like they really went at it in the corner. And that was awesome to see. Um, but then on day two, or sorry, let's st- let's stick with day one. Quads actually, who was your guy on day one? Was it Pedersen? Ty Young. Okay, well, you know what? Hit the button. No, I'm not going to no, no, no. yet because you're right. You're hit right. Hit the button because I got stuff on goalies in day two. Hit the damn button. Let's do this. Do it in a sec. Slow down. Day one, I saw Jonathan Myrenberg. We talked about him. Liked him. Yep, liked him. Uh, Archie Baines looked good. He, you know, From what I saw, he looked a little bit better today. But you, you saw a few things with these prospects who I've heard so much about and any listener of this show has as well. But I'm starting to see... Kind of everything that you say about the prospects, like, I see it. Like, I know Yanni Yermo's a good skater whose hockey sense isn't great. And you yeah, like, he looks really good in camp, though, because that's he the does thing. look good you, in camp. You don't have to play, like, you don't have to use your hockey sense in camp. You just go out and do things. Yanni Yermo looks yeah. great. He yeah. looks really good in camp. Yeah, exactly. So it'll be really interesting to see a guy like him and he's on funny. Thursday. I, like, so the players were taking the ice today, and Yermo's chirping everyone. He's chirping people like he's in a line, right, about to go on the ice. He's chirping people like seven ahead of him, people behind him. He's chirping Seelovs, who was the only player oh, on the ice. I don't like that. He's chirping everybody. And there was a good moment today where uh, Ian Clark was – they were taking the ice with the forwards and defensemen. Ian Clark walked by, and every single goalie – he wasn't, like, screaming at them, but he was very loud on saying, like, no goals out there. No goals. And then he went up to the next goalie. It was like, it was funny because there was like goalies in line, three of them. And he like grabbed them all. He's like, no goals out there. Grabs the next one. No <laughs> goals out there. Yells at Seelaws. He's already on the ice. He's like, Artie, 
no goals out there. And then like he was, and then, you know, the goalies came out and showed well. So let's hit this, hit this intro. Cause I want to talk about the goalie on day two that I thought was really good. And I know you had a good conversation uh, with the most recent draft pick. So hit that uh, stupid intro. Oh yeah. He, he shouldn't, he shouldn't have done that public knowledge. That's uh that's a big no, no. I don't know. You know, I, I can't really give the time and date or else I feel like Nona's shoe will be flying across <laughs> North America right and hit me in the head. We, I think we spent half an hour talking about a backup goaltender. All right, get out of here, Woodley. All right. Favor's going to be. Favor's going to be very pissed. So you know I don't like to say bad things about goaltenders. I always get off caught off guard because I'm used to the Sportsnet voice guy now going, it's time for goalie talk. We can get another voice guy if you want. Yeah, we could. We should, actually. Not could. We should get another goalie guy. Okay, so I've got some stuff on the goalies here. You do as well, miraculously. You had a chat with my son, my other son, Aku Koskenvo today. Yeah, dude. And he is tall. Dude, Aku Koskenvo is long. Like I and Woodley was there today, so I'm whatever. Woodley, he's talking to me. I'm I'm listening to some of it. He's uh and Koskenvo looked really like you could see so early on before practice, I got there pretty early. Koskenvo's already on the ice with Ian Clark, Ty Young as well. They were both there on the ice early. And they were doing these things where they you can explain this better than me, but like where they do their pat they they get down on like a butterfly and their feet touch each post. And, like, Koskenvo can, like, easily do it. Yeah, it's Ty like, Young, like, couldn't, right? Like, he had a big yeah. open five hole when they were teaching, like, technique and stuff. And, like, you could just see the way that Ian Clark was, like, working with Koskenvo. He is, like, he loved it. Like, he looks at Koskenvo, who's long and lanky and flexible and athletic. And, like, you could just see that, like, Clark is looking at Koskenvo and he's, like, he loves what he sees. Like, you could see it all. And, like, it's very loud, right? Because there's nothing, nobody making other noise. So you can kind of hear what Clark's saying to these goalies for most of the time uh, before practice started. And, like, you could just see that there was, like, I don't want to say excitement, but just, like, he was very pleased getting a chance to work with Koskenvo and talk to him after practice. Um, and he praised Ian Clark, obviously. Like, I, I know that it's brought up a lot in this market that, like, Ian Clark is – a, a huge asset to this organization. But when you start to hear the prospects talk about this guy, like I know you had a conversation with Ty Young. I spoke to Koskenvo. They all say the same thing. Like they're all saying like, this is by far the best goaltending coach I've ever worked with. This stuff that I'm learning right now is stuff that I've never been taught before. This is making a huge difference to my game. Like it, it is a massive asset for the Vancouver Canucks having Ian Clark as their goaltending coach specifically for me. Like it's obviously huge for Thatcher Demko and what they have at the NHL level. But really, like, installing this in these goaltenders when they're, like, 18, 19 years old. Uh, and and Koskenvo was funny, man. He, he joked about going to Harvard. Like, he is going to Harvard next year. Confirm that to us. He wants to win the starting role this year going into that spot. And then I asked him, like, why Harvard? And he's like, well, it's a good opportunity to play in North America. And then he's like, but it's also Harvard. <laughs> I was like, awesome. Like, Koskenvo gets it. Like, he's going to Harvard, obviously. Like, you know, I guess, what, most famous school in the world probably, right? Up Most there. prestigious, I guess, Harvard. So Koskenvo was kind of joking about it. Speaks really good English, but man, I couldn't like. It's no BCIT. No, it's no BCIT. It's actually. Uh, no, I meant BCIT is the most prestigious school. In oh, the world. yeah. Over here in the West Coast, for sure. Uh, but man, I swear, like Koskenvo, like you're standing there and he's, you know, he's at least six foot four. Like he's he was taller than me by a decent amount. But like his legs, I swear, they're like four yeah, feet tall, yeah. just his legs. Yeah. And that's why he's able to do what you're talking and about it was, with. I, I, well, I was talking to Woodley about this, and I was like, I was watching him. I was telling Woodley, I was like, I was here early. I was seeing the goalies, and I was watching them do that post-to-post thing. What do you call What do you call this? Yeah, you just call it the post-to-post okay, thing. Okay, this post-to-post thing, and it, just, it, like, it looked like Koskinov's pads were just longer. Like, that's what it yeah. looked like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they weren't. Like, no. Ty Young's pads look the exact same when they're standing up. But then when they get down the butterfly, there's something about Koskinov, the way that he looks is like, yeah, like you, you really like what you see from there. I've told you about length, right? And how length doesn't always just mean your height or the size of your legs or whatever. It's all about flexibility and athleticism. And it's, you know, being able to really get that pad flush to the ice on both sides. And what that is, is they're, they're working on, you know, movement when the puck's behind the net, right? Rather than hugging one post and flying to the other side and leaving yourself susceptible to wraparounds. You're able to seal that off. It's a, something you see Thatcher Demko do on a daily basis. Like, think to any Canucks game you watch this season, uh, Chris, and any listener listening to this. Uh, when the puck's behind the net, 
Thatcher Demko's in that position with his feet both touching the post. It's because he's an athletic freak and he's able to do it, yeah. right? That's the same thing with the Kukos Genvo. That's what you were seeing today, Chris. It's working on that, and they're working on looking over your shoulder when the puck's behind the net and keeping your feet feet steady like that. And, and then it's not, how to attach to the post. How to attach to the lot. post from that, right? Because then, you know, what if a, what if it's a wraparound? It, you're worried about a wraparound chance, obviously, but then your defender comes to help, and the, the shooter comes out, and he goes out wide toward the hash marks. What are you supposed to do if he goes short side, and you're right leg is attached to your post and he's shooting over your left shoulder. What are you going to do? You have to be able to get back to that post real quick, right? So that's what you saw today. That's what they were working on. And I did see Ty Young working on that yesterday as well. wrap up on Koskenbo before you get to Ty Young. Like I asked him about, because he's showed really well for Finland, right? Like he's showed really well in U20 games for Finland. And he's saying like, that's the goal of his is to be Finland's world junior goalie down the road. And obviously that's a very prestigious spot to be. If you think about where some of the best goaltenders come out of the world, a lot of them kind of come out of Finland. He mentioned that a goalie that he likes to uh, watch a lot is Pekka Rene. Uh, he likes to watch him quite a bit. Um, and that was a player that he really kind of grew up liking when he said he was a little bit older. Uh, but for him, like it, it was a, it would mean a lot for him to be Finland's goalie of the World Juniors in the coming years. And he's got a couple of years for it, I think, right? Like, I don't think it's just this yeah. winter. Yeah, you're right. He's going to be up against Nicholas Kako, though, who, remember, I told you about. I'm, yeah. you know, he's going to be in tough. So, it, you know, and, and this isn't a fault of coup at all. If he gets that honor, Chris, and remember, he was a third-string goaltender uh, for Finland at various points. If he gets that honor of being the starter... That's just a testament to how far he's come because that is a really, really high place for him to be in, especially when you look at who he's up against. Yeah, and you're looking at that for December. You're kind of hoping for that uh, if he can continue to get to that point. And I think, man, if he wins the starting spot, like I don't think he's going to win the starting spot at Harvard right out of the gate because they're returning their goalie, who's I think going into his junior season now, um, who is a draft pick I think as well. So Koskenvo uh, is going to be kind of tough to find minutes down there in Harvard, but. We'll have to see what he can do and continue to work, and maybe he can go off and win that spot. Oh, yeah. It's exactly. not like Harvard Harvard isn't a powerhouse. Like, they are going to no. lose games, and when they yeah. lose games, they'll probably try the other goalie. So, like, Koskenvo's going to get an opportunity to to go in there and steal some, and, yeah, we'll see but what he does. But he's not the starter on paper. Like no, and not said. coming into the season yeah, either. exactly. Okay, Ty Young. I want to talk about this gold goaltender, Chris, because I talked about him on the last podcast. I talked about him on our draft coverage podcast. I had a lot of questions. I watched this goalie play, and I saw that the technique wasn't great. I saw that the athleticism wasn't as good as what I saw from Archer Silovs in his draft year, and it wasn't as good from what I saw from Koskenvo in his draft year. That was what I said. I said, this is a project goaltender who I can see right away is a project goaltender. Let the project begin. He's a 17-year-old goaltender, backup for the Prince George Cougars. He's not... a you know, he's not fantastic right now, but what really impressed me, Chris, was how fast he was picking up concepts on Monday. I was watching him on Monday. I was watching him integrate to the post. I was watching him and Aku. Remember, this is Aku's first time to work with Ian Clark in person. They did the Zoom meetings. They did all that last season, but this is his first chance to work with Ian Clark in person. I watched both of them learning the shuffles. You know what I'm talking about for the listeners that maybe don't I'm talking about when the puck is being cycled from the bo- from the sideboards up high to the point and being cycled around, how the goaltenders move, how you see Thatcher Demko move with the shuffles of the legs, the really high and high and narrow stance, and he's shuffling his feet, and they're moving around Little from chop about... chop steps, I call Yeah, them. chop steps, sure, from about four or five points in the crease when the puck is being cycled around from the sideboards to up high. Now, I watched Aku and Ty both learning this, and I don't know if it was a language barrier. Uh, that probably has something to do with it, although Aku's English is pretty good. It's really good. Koskenvo was having trouble learning when to switch stances and, and when to actually shuffle and where to square up to, and Ian was pointing it out in different quadrants of the ice. Ty picked it up right away, and not only that, he was getting the idea right away. Like He, was, he wasn't you know, asking questions or anything. He wasn't... Uh, you know, he wasn't doing it incorrectly, and then, you know, the body language was just good, and he was doing it almost perfectly right away. And there's still work to do on that, but it was so funny because afterwards I asked Ty about this. I said, like, what do you think about the shuffles? It's it's different, isn't it? And he was laughing and said, like, yeah, it is different. Like, he's never moved like that when a puck's being cycled up high. That's not something that most goaltenders are taught, but it's something Ian Clark teaches his goaltenders, and the proof's in the pudding with Thatcher Demko, but... 
we saw Ty Young implementing that right away and unprompted. This is what impressed me the most about Ty Young. In my conversation with him, and I'll have a story on it soon, unprompted, Ty Young says to me, my work ethic and my coachability are what got me drafted. He said, I know my technical abilities and my movement probably aren't great right now, but my coachability and work ethic are what got me drafted. And for that to be the case, like you have to believe in a guy to a certain extent when he is one self-aware that he needs to make changes Two, is willing to make those changes. I don't know if caught this in the last episode. I said one, and then I said B as my second point instead of oh, one wow. or two. Disto, who doesn't miss anything, uh, pointed out to me on Twitter, and I, I had that pointed out to me. But regardless, what I wanted to say, Ty Young, good work ethic, a uh, lot of technical deficiencies right now, but knows their deficiencies and is willing to work on them. I'm going to have a conversation with Ian Clark on Thursday about this goaltender. I'll have more on Friday, but early returns on Ty Young. Uh, still, you know, I still stand by it that, you know, I, I maybe would have gone a different direction and maybe uh, he probably would have been available in the sixth or seventh, although it's not really a big deal. It's just a fifth-round pick. But, you said in your conversation with him that he talked to other teams, though, too. Like, other teams were interested. Yeah, there were other teams interested Which surprised in him, me a little but, bit because I really thought he was an off-the-board pick. But was, what was very funny about the conversation with Ty was I said, when did you know the Cups were interested? He said, I didn't. It was a surprise <laughs> because he had meetings with other teams on Zoom and he just filled out a questionnaire for the Canucks. Hmm. So I'm going to ask Clarkie about the questionnaire. And I've been kind of sitting on that. I didn't really want that public. So hopefully none of our uh, colleagues go chatting with Ian Clark before I do. But uh, yeah, I'm going to chat with Ian Clark about that questionnaire. Kind of what was on it. I might have to get that from Ty. I don't know if uh, Ian will spill that. But uh, yeah, I filled out a questionnaire that apparently the Canucks really liked. So I'll, uh, I'll talk to Clarkie about that on Thursday. All right. We're done with the goalies. Let's get to some exciting stuff. Danila Klimovic, he was my pick for the best player on day two. And this is like, you know what? We saw this at training camp. We saw Danila Klimovic look like a really good scorer at training camp last year. On I think it was like the third day, the day they had their scrimmage. But today, like the shot was flying off of Klimovic's stick. He was getting his release off correctly. He was consistent at receiving passes, making passes, being physical, like you see these moments from Klimovic where you're like, wow, there's, there's some real potential here, right? Like, he, he was pretty rusty on day one, I thought. I thought he wasn't consistent as well. Like, his shot wasn't always there. He flubbed a few. But, man, day two, he was ripping it. He was beating goaltenders with consistency. Uh, he was skating well. Like, I really liked what what I saw from Klimovic on day two, uh, as well as Aiden McDonough, who I thought was pretty underwhelming, honestly, on Monday. Like, I didn't think that he stuck out that much, and I was kind of hoping for a little bit more. He's clearly big, and I thought that his skating looked pretty good, actually, on Monday. Um, and like he, he's got a powerful stride. You kind of just watch these guys skate. Uh, and it's something that I like to keep an eye on for sure, because skating is something you need to get to this next level. Two names kind of stuck out for me when you see like just power behind the stride. Um, Aiden McDonough was one. I thought he moves really well, but I think the guy that's like the best skater at this whole camp, uh, is Niels Almond. I, I really think he skates really well. Like he is, He's a big body and he knows how to move. There's probably some work that needs to be happening with his hands. Like I do think that though he looks like he moves at a play at like pretty much an NHL level, uh, he's not as great as kind of keeping his hands being able to keep up with his feet. Like uh, he's he's a little reckless at times, I think, which you know could help him if he's looking to you know just be like a fourth line grinder who's you know killing penalties and doing stuff like that. And when we talked to him after his skate today, he was saying like. He wants to do a little bit of everything. He wants to kill penalties. He wants to take face-offs. He was trusted by Sweden to do those at the World Championships, and he said that that gave him a lot of confidence, like coming over here and trying to win an NHL job. And I know that he's kind of made comments about the AHL not being something that he wants to do, that he'll go back to Sweden. I think there was those quotes right before um, he got signed by the Vancouver Canucks. He wasn't going to go play for the Colorado Eagles or something. Mm. He sort of commented on it today, but he didn't really give like a for sure answer. He kind of was like, could be open to it, but I, I still think like, I don't know if he doesn't make the NHL team. I think he's, he might go back to Sweden, but I think he was kind of, yeah, he, he just didn't really answer the question with a lot of confidence. Like he would play in the AHL if he didn't. So this might be an NHL or bus kind of thing. And what are your, what are you putting the chances at brought to you by points bet? What are you putting the chances at? Of him landing with the Canucks out of training. Start cap. seeing that points bets money here. Um, You're salaried now. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> so I do see it, I guess. Um, I don't think it's very good. Like it's over under 
To make the NHL to make roster. the NHL roster because if it's NHL or bust, people want to know what's the NHL chances here. Like I've seen him skate two two <laughs> skates, man. I don't know. I I I'd say under ten percent from what I saw. I, I think under ten percent too. But like I said, I've only seen two skates of his, and I have been really impressed with the speed and the size. Like he's got good size, That's and good. good speed. But I would say under ten percent. So. Although. It might help his chances that the Canucks have seemingly lost their entire fourth line. They're going to try to repair it. We assume this offseason, starting Wednesday, tomorrow, they'll have a chance to repair it. Obviously, we'll talk about free agency. We're going to be posting an episode on Friday rather than Saturday. Bright and early Friday, I think, we'll have an episode out. Kind of recapping free agency, all that. We're still on standby. You know we'll have an emergency episode if you know who is traded. He who shall not be named on this show anymore because we keep talking about him. Actually, I've got a little bit on him in the second half of the show. But quickly, before we get to break in our poll question brought to you by Atlas Goods, I wanted to quickly get to this. Jason Dickinson did not get bought out by the Canucks. He was number five on Frank Saravalli's buyout candidates list. And I found that interesting because I think when I looked at the situation, I always looked at it and said, okay, I see the value in them buying him out. But it makes more sense, in my mind, to bite the bullet and hope that he can kind of find his footing. Because, look, like, I understand that there's such thing as right player, wrong fit. Like, I, I, I understand that that's a, that's a thing and that happens. But the, does it happen for an entire contract? Louis Erickson would say yes. But I wonder, Chris, if Jason Dickinson has the potential to bounce back next year, and even if he doesn't, to play on a fourth line, to be your fourth line center. He's brought in to be a third line center, but to be a fourth line center. Do you think you can at least get that from Jason Dickinson next season? Yeah, and unfortunately, he's not living up to his contract, but I still think he's a fourth line player. Like Even on the Canucks, like he maybe he's not a fourth line player somewhere else. Maybe he can play up a lineup somewhere else, but I still think that, yeah, he's going to be getting paid too much if he's playing fourth line wing, but like... You know, I, I still think he's a fourth line player for the Canucks next year, and it's unfortunate you're paying him what you're paying him at what two point six five? Is yeah, that what it yeah, is? That's it. Two point six five. Like that's it's not like the worst. I mean, we just saw Jay Beagle and Louis Erickson make you know ten million dollars combined playing on a fourth line, so it's not the worst thing in the world. But it, like, I do still think that there's still a chance for Dickinson to bounce back. I think he can be a contributor. I think it was probably pretty tough for him coming into a new organization here, uh, but with like a full reset of management. Maybe there's a chance for him to have a little bit of a bounce back. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I'm I'm curious about it because I think when I looked at the situation, I said if you buy him out, you're going to have some cap savings, but then you're still going to have a cap penalty, and then you're going to go pay someone anyway. And as we see yeah. right now, the Canucks' bottom six is pretty depleted. No, I would be I wouldn't be looking at buying out Jason Dickinson, especially this season. Like I. I'd, I'd play him. I'd like just play him for the next two years of the fourth line. It's not like he's making $4 million. Yeah, I think they made the right call. Not buying a team, him And then if you know if he plays well, then you can flip him for something at some point. That would be great. Any sort of trade return for Jason Dickinson. Yeah, absolutely. All right, we'll cut to break. On the other side, we'll get to our Atlas Goods poll question, and then we'll get to free agency, Chris, because free agency is a big thing. People, we're going we're gonna to slightly preview it, and then I've got something on JT Miller, and we're going to talk about UFA around the league. All right, so... Keep it locked, keep it loaded on Canucks Conversation. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. All right, and a massive thank you to all of our sponsors here at the Canucks Conversation Podcast. Now, Chris, today, Ian McIntyre had a chat, and he had this on Monday. I saw him talking to Jim Rutherford, who's wearing a baseball cap at uh, day one of development camp. Jim Rutherford was there. Uh, IMAC was talking with Jim Rutherford about the Canucks free agency plan, and anybody who knows how to use Puckpedia or Cap Friendly or what have you knows that the Canucks don't have a ton of cap space right now, Chris. And they made it their goal, and we talked about this in the last episode, and I know we got a little bit of pushback. I think majority of people were happy with what we had to say. Um, You know, not happy about the situation, but they were glad we said it. So just to reiterate, what we said in the last episode was just that the draft wasn't necessarily a win for the Canucks on the basis of they set out this offseason to clear cap space. They've been setting out to do that since the management change, Trade deadline was their first chance. They did it a little bit. Draft was their second chance. They didn't do any of it. And now free agency approaches, and they just they don't have any cap space. So this is another chance for them. So what we were saying was it's still wait and see, but it's also this is interesting and is something to at least keep an eye on. Jim Rutherford today was talking with Ian McIntyre. He said, we haven't cleared as much cap space as we would have liked to. We'll be active on Wednesday to a certain point, but we're not going to be in on the big guys, the real big guys. We'll look for complementary players and build more depth and things like that, but we're not in the position that we had hoped to be at this point in time. Yeah, I think it's bang on. Like, you look at, I know that it's not a panic mode yet, and it shouldn't be. Like, this is still a new management group, and I think that's what a lot of people were saying in the comments that didn't like what last episode said. They're like, it's only been eight months. It's like, yeah, but you cleared up a tiny bit of cap space getting rid of Travis Hamlin, which, by the way, was an incredible move, okay? Like, yeah. you have to give them credit because, like, I can't believe that they were able to move on from Travis Hamannick and his $3 million cap hit that was last season and this current season. But they're, like, it. you know, Jim Rutherford said, they, they, they're not in the spot that they thought they might be in or that they wanted to be in. They weren't able to move out space, you're right, at the, at the draft, and that's kind of the big... You know, you hear it so often. The draft is now the, the it's the new trade deadline, right? Like this is where you get these type of deals done. This is where you can hopefully shed some cap space. So the Canucks still have a lot of work to do, and they kind of just missed the big day to get it done. It's not saying that they can't do it over the next few months here before the season approaches, but they definitely have some work to do here if you want to actually change his roster instead of just running it back. And you know what? Among the feedback that I got for my little rant on the last episode was a really good point made by someone who just DM'd me and we were just chatting about it. And he said, like, you know, how much of these issues are this management regime's fault? Is the answer zero, Chris? Because I think it is. Like, has this management group done anything incorrectly that has put them in this position? No, it was the eight years previous that have put them in this position that they're now stuck in. Now, I this is not this is not to do a complete 180 of my tone on the last episode. They are still accountable. They are still the management group right now. They need to be the ones to find the answers. And I know it's difficult because, you know, one thing that Rutherford said is that when you clear up cap space, you're usually giving up assets, but they're trying to add assets. They're trying to build assets. So it's an interesting spot for this management group to be in, and I don't envy their position. And, you know, everybody knew when you saw the writing on the wall that whoever came in next was going to have a mess on their hands from the previous management regime, right? And... That's kind of where this group is at right now. That's why I don't want to dial back what I said in the last episode. I stand by everything I said, but I do want to make that note that someone did point out to me quite astutely, I should add, that you know none of these issues are really this management regime's fault. It doesn't mean that they just get a free pass to not do anything, though, when they've said, we're going to do this, we're going to do this, we're going to do this. You have to actually do something. You have to do something at this point to change up the 
change up the team that you've complained so much about. Rightfully so as well, I should add. Okay, yeah. so... And the, and the previous regime obviously left them with a lot. It left them a lot to deal with, right? Left them with a lot of problems. But, and I'm not saying it's like a balance, but they also left them with who has been near the number one spot and is currently at the number one spot on the trade target list from, from Frank Valley. Like, they've also left them... With You're the right. number one trade asset right now on the market for what it feels like. You're right. And and in, in this management regime's defense, the current one, this is a lot simpler if the Canucks don't make that crazy push under Bruce sure. Boudreaux. Yeah. Right? Like, like if Jim Rutherford had it his way when he came on board, JT Miller's gone at the trade deadline. But And this isn't to say that there was meddling from ownership. Not what I'm trying to say here. I'm trying to say that if the Canucks didn't go on that run and make it so... The management regime had to look at it and say, oh, okay, well, we might make the playoffs, and what kind of message does it send to your group if you trade Rutherford, or trade Rutherford, if you trade Miller, their leading scorer at the time, their leading scorer on the season, what message does that send to your group if you make that deal at the trade deadline? And and it's interesting that the trade deadline's brought up in this conversation. How, how different is it if you trade JT Miller right now? Like, I know that, yeah, they had some momentum, but they really needed to go on a crazy run to finish the year to even get to that point. You think that, especially new management, they would have had that opportunity to make a tough decision. Like, that's what new management does when they come into anything, not just a hockey team, like a business or anything. Like, new management has the opportunity in the early stages to, you know, make the changes that they think is good for the long run. And, yeah, I I, I just I look back at the trade deadline, and I think that, like, I think I said it on the last episode, but it's going to be really hard for the Canucks to find a suitor that's going to be willing to pay this big contract that it sounds like JT Miller is looking for. Uh, And I know that, I don't know, there's like reports that the Canucks are saying that they're not letting teams talk to JT Miller. I'm so curious why, like why is it it because the agent's asking for a ton of money? Because he should be asking for a lot of money for JT Miller. He earned it. Sorry, I'm hanging on now. What do you want? Well, the reason that they don't want teams talking to JT Miller, and don't forget that Elliot Friedman on his latest 32 Thoughts podcast did point out that someone said to him that the Canucks may change their stance on that and start allowing teams to talk to Miller, and that might happen. That might have already started to happen. We don't know. Um, The reason that they wouldn't at a certain point, Chris, is because it's something that happens, and Patrick Johnson of the province pointed this out, that it's something that happens in other sports leagues where the players start to dictate things because... Let's say, for example, let's use the Islanders as an example, okay? Let's say the Canucks have a trade on the table with the Islanders that they really like. And before pulling the trigger, the Islanders say, we want to talk to JT Miller. And the Canucks say no, because if the Canucks say yes, JT Miller goes, and JT Miller's camp, of course, not JT Miller on the phone call, but JT JT Miller's agent calls him and says, do you want to go to the New York Islanders? If he gets a simple no, okay, we're going to block this trade bait in, a, in essence by telling the Islanders that we want this dollar number and if you're not willing to go to this, don't bother trading for us. And let's say they say 8 by 10 or whatever it is. And then all of a sudden, the Canucks are out of a trade partner. Now on the other side of that, the Canucks are out of a trade partner a lot of times if you don't let a team talk to you, to the player that they're acquiring. So that's the interesting wrinkle in all of this, Chris. It's a very complicated situation. But to answer your question, that's the answer I got of why the Canucks wouldn't let a team talk to JT Miller. Yeah, and the teams obviously make sense. Like the Rangers, what, what we've heard of late is like the Rangers are all over Nazem Kadri. Yeah, and, like and that I, seems I mean, like get to it's that. going to. Okay, I'll let you keep. I know you got another. Your rant, I liked your rant last time. I'll let you do your other rant here. Uh, I appreciate now. that. And then we'll talk. And then I'll, I'll give and you some. Then I'll chip in here with some BS. I'll give you some <laughs> some low budget uh, free agents that I like. Well, well, just just to be clear, uh, the the thing I said about the Islanders just now. Just want to stress again that was an example. That wasn't me reporting that that's what sure. took place. That was just an example because lately, a shout out to the people that have been listening. Our listeners have gone up. So, too, has the amount of people tweeting out what we say. Have you noticed this? Yep. And I'm seeing people tweet, and I'm like, damn, did I really say that? And I go back and listen. I'm like, oh, darn, I did say it exactly like that. But it sounds different when you read it. Anyway, I'm not going to get into that. Uh, so I'm going to specify what I'm reporting and what I'm not reporting and what I'm, uh, you know, just making a hypothesis Yeah, but that on. part won't make it into the tweet. When yeah, people that are won't make it into the tweet. <laughs> no, but I will specify, so at least I can point back to it. But regardless, uh, just to finish up this Rutherford quote from iMac, uh, I always feel that when you really want to make a deal bad, there's a good chance you'll make a bad deal. 
as we're going through this process, trading GT Miller, of course, with the number of prospects we have, different things that we have to deal with, the cap to unravel, I think it's important to be patient and try to make as few mistakes as possible. And that's what we're doing. You can fault this management regime, and goodness knows I have. I, I did on the last episode for being inactive at the draft and all that other stuff. We've talked about that. At least they're trying not to make mistakes because if there's anything this organization can't afford more of, it's mistakes at the top. Now, what's really interesting to me, Chris, is that Rutherford says this and free agency is just around the corner. And I, I, I kind of poked around a little bit and this is what I'm reporting. This is a report just for anybody who's tweeting out the quotes. Uh, so, so I'll specify when I stop reporting. But what I'm hearing, Chris is that the trades that the Canucks are getting right now are so underwhelming that it's to the point that they are worse than the deals they were getting offered at the trade deadline. The Canucks were getting better offers at the trade deadline for what they're getting for JT Miller right now. And that is not good for the club. They don't want to accept that. And end of report. End of report. This is me wondering now. This is not anything I've been told. This is now me wondering. I wonder, Chris, if because that package that was proposed to them from the Rangers... At the trade deadline, remember, Philip Heedle, a first-round pick, Niels Lundqvist, and again, the talk of Kraftsov or whatever. Uh, those, that traditional trade deadline package, since that became public, Chris, I wonder if the Canucks are, and again, wonder, I'm not reporting anything, I wonder if the Canucks are at all wary of making a deal where they get less than that so as not to be A, scrutinized, and B, pull in an underwhelming return and, you know, basically have to say, you know, they're going to have to answer in this market if they take a deal like that. That's just, that's how it is. That's how the Vancouver market is, right? Uh, there would be pushback from fans. There would be, you know, some unrest, if if you will, uh, if they were to accept a deal that was more underwhelming. So that's what I'm hearing right now is that the Canucks are not getting, well, good trade offers, obviously, but what I'm specifically hearing is that a lot of the deals they're getting are worse than the ones they were getting at the trade deadline, which, to my knowledge, this this part is in a report, the club didn't expect. Uh, the club, I believe, was expecting that more teams would be uh, in the market, if you will, for J.C. Miller uh, come draft time. Yeah, and I think that's the other thing that, that makes it a little worrisome is that you're going to have some other teams have higher interest after what happens basically on the first like three days of free agency. Like then you'll have some teams that miss out on someone. Like let's say the Rangers don't get Kadri, or let's say that the Islanders don't get, you know, uh, someone to kind of boost their top six or that's what I, you're gonna... Islanders want Kadri too, man. Yeah. Like you, you've just outlined a couple and I'll continue on it a little bit because I have it written down here. Evgeny Malkin, that's a big name out there. And a, a lot of signs are pointing to him uniting with Ovechkin in Washington. That'd be a smart signing for the Capitals, you have to think, especially with Nick Backstrom going on LTIR. Makes more sense than a JT Miller. But let's say, for example, Chris, that Washington loses out on Malkin. Who's their center, right? Like, then that's all of a sudden a team that presumably is in the market for JT Miller. And I think right now the sense that I get is just that's what the Canucks are hoping for. They are hoping for exactly what you just said about teams that miss out on free agency circling back and beefing up their offer for JT Miller. And I think that's the thing where it's like, that is to me the last chance before the season starts to get your deal done, right? Like there's no other point in the off season where the value can rise for JT Miller, right? Like that, that's it. After free agency, you, once that hits, once teams circle around, you basically have like a week after that. And then there's no other point where the value can go up to me. I think a value can go up if a team, I mean, if we're in a season and a team loses a player because of injury, then maybe the, some team will come up with their value to trade for JT Miller. Maybe his value goes up at the trade deadline as well at that point. But but could you only be getting JT Miller as a rental at that point? And what's the return yeah, exactly. for that? Like, yeah, like this, it just, it's not like they're, and I hate to say it, like, it's not like you just, I think we've been hurt so much in the past by the Vancouver Canucks <laughs> of like running out of time that this would this was supposed to be different. And I'm not saying that it's going to be the same as the Benning regime, but like you have to be worried about this for the Vancouver Canucks about running out of time with JT Miller. And if you run out of time with JT Miller, that is a huge loss to what this team could look like in the future as a as you know, adding building blocks to this team who needs so much in the prospect pool. 
you're able to get that with the JT Miller return. I just think that that's the sort of thing that, that does worry you a little bit. And I'm not at the point to, you're not at the point to panic. Like I said on the last episode, but there, there could be some reason for a lot of people who have, you know, followed this team very closely for the last handful of years. And you know, it's a different management group. I know they're not, you're hoping that they don't make the same mistakes, but because we've seen it happen in Vancouver, I think it's in a lot of the back, the back of the minds of a lot of people here that this could be a situation where, it doesn't get done in the right time. And then it's kind of just ends up biting the team in the ass later on down the road. And that would just be the worst thing to happen because it feels like there was opportunity. Like there was opportunity at the trade deadline. There was opportunity in January. There was opportunity at the draft. Like it would just be a huge letdown if they're not able to make it happen. And I still like, I'm still confident in this management group. Like I am, I haven't, I haven't like, just like after not being able to trade JT Miller at the draft, I didn't just give up on this manager. I still believe there's a lot of really smart people there. And I do think that they're going to end up getting a return for JT Miller. That's sufficient, but it's got to happen pretty damn soon, man, because it's not like this is an asset who's going to be around forever and you can always trade him. He's got one year left on his contract. He's going to have to play next season. There is somewhat of a rush. If your goal is to trade JT Miller, that you need to get this done. And basically what feels like, you know, I think going into the draft, we said, you know, the next like six days going into the draft, the six days approaching the draft, you wanted to see the deal done then. Now there's a little bit of an extension because of the, the free agency that's approaching right now. But it feels like from this current day that we're recording this quads on this Tuesday, like the pressure point for me, like there is a pressure point now and it feels like it's around seven days from now. Like yeah. you give some some time after free agency for teams to settle in, to see who they can get on the you know, first, second, third, fourth day, even a free agency, then you gotta, you gotta see what you got out there for trade options with JT Miller. And you need to figure out something because like I said, losing this asset for, and I don't even want to say nothing. Cause I know that we're they not could there trade yet. Him. I know. And, and I know that they can trade them like for, for a package that's underwhelming. They could do that today, yep. you know, and maybe that's why they're not trading them because maybe the packages aren't coming in that aren't going to be great. And it's going to be underwhelming return. And especially after the leak trade that happened back in January, like, yeah, I, I think that uh, I'm not worried, but it's in the back of my mind for sure that that would really suck. Like, I don't know what else to say. I'm not in the room with these guys. I'm not making hockey decisions. But all I know as a podcaster is like, yo, this would really suck if this doesn't end up working out like a lot of people hoped it would with JT Miller. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, our poll question today. Our Atlas Goods poll question, and also before I get to that, sorry, I should have mentioned Johnny Goudreau also expect to hit the market. And the last thing I'll say on Miller before getting to the poll question, Chris, is I understand that seeing all the teams like the Rangers and all those teams that were reportedly so high on JT Miller and so interested in acquiring him and the Canucks wanting to set a bidding war, I understand that seeing all of those teams being reportedly interested in your Malkins, in your Cadres, in your Goudreaux, I understand that that doesn't inspire confidence, but don't let that get misconstrued as the market for JT Miller cooling off because those teams are still going to want to add, right? New Jersey is even a team that you could throw in there that you assume isn't going to be, you know, getting a big fish or anything like that, but you have to wait until... Uh, How bad does Carolina need a power play specialist? Exactly. You know? you like, there's a lot of teams agency. out there still that that maybe want to go the approach of, listen, if you sign a guy in free agency right now and you're signing one of these big-name players, if you're signing Johnny Goudreau, you're signing Nazem Kadri, you're signing Evgeny Malkin, you're paying a lot of money on that first year too. You're not paying a lot of money on the first year of JT Miller for next season. You're only paying him 5.25. So I wonder how much that makes a difference because it kind of buys you a year to work out your cap for the next contract of JT and Miller. Right that, now, you got to pay, like, Johnny Goudreau, what's he getting? Close to 10? Yeah. Around 10? Maybe yeah, exactly. more? Yeah. Like, what's Malkin getting? Seven? Yeah. You know, like, someone's still getting, like, if Malkin's on a two-year deal, he's probably still getting $7 million. Well, he's not taking two years. It's at least three or four for Malkin. And still, he'd be up there. I think Nazem Kadri is going to be interesting. I don't really know where to set the... To the price eight, for they're, him, they're going. They're going to be looking for eight. So yeah, like all the, like you eight do, million. I should say you can't sign an eight year right. Deal, so you obviously. do get kind of like a nice little uh, one year kind of buffer, five point two five million that gives you time to buy, you know, work your cap around on the extension of JT Miller. So it's a little bit different than what you have in free agency, but you're still giving up a lot to be able to get that little buffer year for JT Miller still. Yeah, absolutely, and we'll be interested to see because we're recording this on Tuesday. Free agency is Wednesday morning, so this episode might be a little bit dated, but. We do want to say 
our poll question today. Our Atlas Goods poll question. Go to atlasgds.com. Use promo code CC15 to get 15% off your first order of pop rinds. These are the best fresh pork rinds straight out of your microwave or air fryer locally owned company right out of Surrey. Go check them out. Same day shipping if you order before 3 p.m. atlasgds.com. Our poll question today. How would you feel if JT Miller is extended at $8.33 million by six? So six years at $8.33 million. $50 million contract. Chris, how would you feel? Our options today, good, I'd rather they trade him, or I'd be angry. Not I'm angry, I'd be angry. Chris, so far... You should six- have added I'm angry as well, since <laughs> that's always on the poll questions. It is, I'm sorry. 64% say I'd rather they trade him. That's leading the vote so far. 27% say they would feel good about that contract, and 9% say they would be angry. Now... I want to add, assuming that he is extended, if that happens, the people in the 64% would also be pretty angry if he was extended at that dollar number. So, and again, there'd obviously be some who would maybe feel good about that, but 50 million for Miller over six years. What do you think about that? Like, is, is that a number that you think makes sense? Because I think at that point... That might be something that moves the needle. I still think it's a discount. I think the number starts at 8.5, but you know you get to bring that nice round number to him and say $50 million. What do you think about that? I think Vasily Pod Colson is 21 years old. Connor Garland's 26 years old. Quinn Hughes is 22 years old. Elias Pettersson's 23 years old. Brock Vester's 25 years old. Thatcher Demko's 26 years old. And I think that needs to be the core that you're investing in. Maybe not Garland. I I probably shouldn't have snuck his name in there. But the other names, that's the core that you need to be investing in. And giving this much money to JT Miller when you instead could trade him for return that helps add that to that core or add things that will be able to boost that core down the road, I think that's more important. I've been in this camp for a long time. I, I just think that at 29 years old, getting JT Miller to make $8 million when he's 33, 34, 35 I think he might be a player who can hold up his own later on into his age. Like, you know, if he's back on the wing or maybe he's just a center who's, you know, very offensive minded at the same time, like he could be a player who plays well into his thirties and is, you know, a contributor, but I wouldn't really want to take that risk to be honest. When I know that there's options for them to trade on the market out there uh, and instead just try and reinvest that into what you have with the young core and have another wave of prospects coming to add to what you already have in such young, good young talent. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. So I'm with the people. What percent are there? What percent of the people are saying trade? 64% say they would like to see him traded. What about uh, happy? Or what's the options? I don't even know the options. 27% of people say they would feel good about it. 27%. Say they'd feel good about that contract. And I think that's less than JT Miller is going to sign for. And people feel good about yeah. that. People feel good about that. How, how good do you feel about 8.5? Right? And I know it's insignificant. It's a very small number, but I think that number, as the number on the contract increases, I think the number of people happy about that and does decreases. He, and does he want eight years? Is that what his agent wants? Does his agent want to make as much money as possible? I mean, I don't think He's they'd say agent. no. <laughs> that's what agents do. So I, even at six years, like I don't know. At if that's, eight, you're signing him till he's 38 years old. That's ridiculous. Like, Yeah, it's a lot. That's not happening. You can't. You can't do that. No, it's I mean, not. It's not going to get to that. Although I, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets seven on the open market, Chris. I wouldn't be surprised if he gets eight point five by seven on the open market yep. next next off season well, if he were team, to hit it. A lot of teams see what they can get from JT Miller in the first three four years of this contract. And they really like it. If he's a ninety nine point player, great. But look, like JT Miller also played on a power play that was very strong, you know. And yeah, he was the driving force of it which is very impressive if you look at the other players that are on that power play. Like, JT Miller was the driving force of the Canucks power play, and he's also doing that with Quinn Hughes on the ice with him, with Elias Pettersson on the ice with him. It's very impressive. Like, JT Miller's a really good player. Like, nobody's not saying that. I just think that you look at the core, and that's the people that you have to be paying the money to. And I look at JT Miller. Yes, he was the best player on the Canucks last year. But you can still you can be the best player on the team and not be a part of the core that you believe in to win the Stanley Cup moving forward. I think. Look, it's simple, right? Like it is simple, and we've talked about it for so long. I'm so exhausted about talking about JT Miller. I just want something to happen, Chris. Yeah. And I know the listeners and the readers they're they're exhausted too. Nobody wants to hear about this all the time, right? I know. So 
Like, it's just, it simply comes down to, if you're going to come out and you're going to say, we've got all these holes in the roster and we've got all these problems, we don't have any prospects, we don't have, you know, any draft capital. We want to clear up cap space. We want to clear up cap space. All the things that they've said, if you can solve all those issues or solve a good number of those issues with one move, and that move is trading JT Miller, and it has the potential to set your franchise on the same trajectory that we saw the Matt Duchesne trade, which was unpopular at the time at various sure. points. Matt Duchesne trade in Colorado. You just look at it, it and here. you say it, it needs to happen. Final thing we'll say about JT Miller on this episode. To me, I'm looking at it, and it feels like there's two outs. The bases are loaded. And if you're able to trade JT Miller for an absolute haul, that's a grand slam. That's great. You just put four runs on the board. If JT Miller is re-signed at let's say $8.3 million at six years. Still good for your team. But is that just like a single with the bases loaded? You score a run, maybe two. And then if you just let nothing happen and you run out of time, you strike out. You strike out and leave all those bases stranded. And I know this this is an opportunity for them to hit a grand slam if they can make it happen. And it would be huge for the organization because all we want to see is a Stanley Cup. All we want to see is the Vancouver Canucks be able to compete for a Stanley Cup. And I think that the best step towards that is getting yourself set up for the core to have a boost down the road. And I'm not sure if the re-signing of JT Miller is the best way to go about that. When you have other options, like don't you, if you had no other options, if nobody yeah. wants to trade for JT Miller, maybe the re-signing him is the better option. Or if the trades are extremely underwhelming, I don't know. Maybe you have to restructure some other things or look some other directions and really invest in JT Miller. And that might be what they do. Like, the team might really want to actually just extend JT Miller. We could know this as soon as Wednesday morning. They can re-sign him on Wednesday morning at 9 a.m. There could be a deal on the table for JT Miller that we're talking about. Yeah. Okay, I know this is a bad process, and the final thing I'll say about an extension is that the cap is projected to go up pretty sizably uh, in, like, three years. And when Rutherford talked about, you know, extending guys long-term, he said, like, you know, sometimes you get good value in the first three years and maybe in the last two or three or whatever, you, you know, you know, he's going to take a dip in play, but he's lines up with your competitive window. Something else to consider is, you know, what is the Canucks competitive window? Are they going to try to force it open, uh, you know, with a Miller extension? Like if that's what takes place, you need to go all in on those years when you think or know that Miller is going to be a top point producing player because, if he's a liability on your cap, you don't have much around him at the current stage. Yeah, and it's like JT Miller was here two years ago when the Canucks were the worst team in the North Division. Like, this team isn't in their competitive window yet, unfortunately. And it, it feels like they could be. Like, they have a really top-tier goalie. They have a lot of really good scorers. But it's like, why aren't they in their competitive window yet? And to be clear, when we say competitive window, we mean like, you know, competing for a Stanley Cup. We don't mean squeaking into the playoffs because if you look at the Boudreaux bump and all that, there's going to be someone replying to this and saying, well, they played at 110-point pace or whatever. Look around the league. That's not even good enough at this point. Like, you need to be a cup-contending team at this point. When we talk about a competitive window, like, I know you got to get to the playoffs first, but you got to set yourself up to take higher steps than that, and that's what this is all about, right? Because I think in their current form, you know, maybe they'll repair their fourth line a bit. But in their current form, at their core, I'd say the Canucks are a playoff team. They're like a coin flip playoff team. Yeah, the only thing to me is also, like, if you look at the Pacific... LA, I, LA is being quietly smart. I would be a little bit worried for for the, for the down the road. So maybe the Canucks do want to make this their competitive window right now because of seeing what the Pacific... Like, Anaheim continues to load up with really high-end prospects. L.A. is going to be dangerous for years to come. Edmonton has these guys, uh, the two best players in the world, playing together. Getting Jack Campbell, I think. You know, like this... I don't know. Seattle's now interesting with what they just built. If, yeah, if Matt their Beniers center's hit Shane down the middle, Wright. like, yeah. maybe the Canucks do want to target us like this next few years here as their window, and maybe that's why they want to go into J.T. Miller. But, man, that would be a... That would be a move. That would be something to talk about quite a bit if that happens. So, yeah, I don't be. know. Let's wait and see what happens. Yeah, free agency. Let's hope that something happens. Something will happen. I think free agency, they're going to be signing some depth players. That's what we like. Curtis Lazar. Everybody likes Curtis Yeah, Lazar. I think Curtis Lazar is the guy. I'd like to see Troy Stetcher. Uh, I know that's been brought up before, but uh, Troy Stetcher just makes sense, I think. If you're, uh, Zach Gaston Reese. Yeah, he's option. good too. But I'm if you're limited on cap space, I think Troy Stetcher makes a lot of sense. Dominic Simon, part of the. Uh, 
He was part of the Ricard Raquel trade. Yeah. He ended up uh, finishing with the Ducks, and uh, he might be a cheap option as well. Good defensive player. Final one, uh, a little bit more expensive, but Victor Rask. He's coming off of a very disappointing four-year or $4 million contract off of a six-year $24 million contract. He's probably going to be a, oh, he's going to be a lot cheaper than $4 million a year. Could he be an example of, uh, you know, maybe jumping down to one point two five, being an example that can help on the fourth line? Could be an option. Could be an option. All right. They'll do something. They'll sign some players. They got nobody on a fourth line now. Yeah, and we'll have a we'll have a full uh, recap on Friday. We'll probably have some stuff on the Nation Network YouTube channel before that. Yeah, and special episode Friday coming early Friday morning. Yeah, early Friday morning. Yeah. All right, we'll close it out there. For my co-host Chris Faber, my name is Dave Guadrelli. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Canucks Conversation. Thanks for listening to Canucks Conversation. Delivered by DoorDash. Hit the subscribe button to never miss an episode. How about keep it to a thank you, Jim? Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 